Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Okay. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, say hi, Will. Let's, uh, let's, pray, let's pray for him as, uh, as, as Will uh, preaches to us in our Advent series. If you want to stretch your hand forward as a, like, a sign of blessing, bless him, Jesus. Thank you for him. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his leading. Thank you that you brought him here. And we bless him. We bless our ears that we may hear what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. Okay, good morning. Um, if you have a Bible, if you'd like to read from a Bible, um, open to John 1. So today we are exploring this theme of light in the darkness. And so you know where we're going to go. Uh, there are essentially three parts to this message. The first part we're just going to explore, walk through John 1, the, the prologue of John 1. Then we're going to talk about darkness. Then we're going to actually talk about how the light breaks in. So why don't we start in the beginning? Okay, cool. That's, that's one of my better jokes. Um, John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, um, who of us here is old enough to remember when The Two Towers came out in the cinema back in Christmas, what do I have here, 2002, 21 years ago. So, technically makes it a Christmas movie, I think. Um, so, do you remember how that movie hooks you right from the beginning? So, it opens, by the way, the 21-year-old movie, spoiler warning, if you haven't seen it, you're going to get spoiled now. It opens on these snow, slow, sweeping panoramas of majestic snow-capped mountains. The music swells, you hear these distant sounds. Clanging of weapons, then a familiar voice. The camera pushes closer and closer in on a mountainside until suddenly you're inside. Gandalf is facing off against a Balrog, a giant, towering, flaming red devil. And he's on this bridge over a great bottomless cavern. It's kind of awesome. And we realize we're revisiting this climactic scene from the last movie. So what does Gandalf shout? Come on, more, more please. I have to, you gotta, you gotta like, you know, deliver it with Ian McKellen enthusiasm. Like, you shall not pass. It's fantastic. Um, the bridge obviously falls, the Balrog goes with it, and um, Gandalf, exhausted, turns to his friends. And then at the last possible moment, 
the tail end of the Balrog's whip, snares his heel, and pulls him to the ground. He grabs onto the end of the bridge, and he's holding on, unable to keep his grip. And he looks over at his friends, and he says, fly, you fools. <laughs> and he drops down and down and down into the darkness. Now, this is where the movie blew my 15-year-old mind. <laughs> because it didn't follow the fellowship out of the mountain as they, like, reckoned with and grieved and burst into tears of mourning of their beloved friend. Um, instead, the camera pursues Gandalf down and down into that darkness. And he controls his fall, and he grabs the sword, he lands on this beast, and starts stabbing and fighting and engaging in battle as they fall deeper and deeper and deeper. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. So let me tell you, John 1, <laughs> it's a little bit like that. <laughs> um, so John's like, hey, remember Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, here's actually what. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing that has been made was made. John hooks us from the beginning with Genesis 1-1 by showing us its true nature. He shows that Jesus' true nature was there in the beginning. In Greek, the word logos is the word word. It's a very popular Greco-Roman philosophical idea for universal divine reason. This thing that permeates all time and space is this eternal power that binds everything we see together. Sounds a bit like the Force. But they believed this Logos was accessible and understandable to every individual who seeks it. So scholar Michael Bird, great guy, Aussie guy, he says this about how John borrows and transforms this concept. He says, John takes the Logos, a malleable yet popular concept in Greco-Roman philosophy for cosmic rationality, and he baptizes it in Jewish wisdom traditions and recodes it with Christological meaning. It's an epic opening line. The word has proceeded out from the mouth of God and made all we can see and cannot see. Okay, so back to the two towers, because, um, I'm sorry if you guys don't like Tolkien, um, this, is, this is probably not your kind of message. Um, but for you Tolkien nerds, yeah, I've got you covered. So, um, so in my deep research on John 1, um, I came across this really interesting Reddit post, and it says this, um, Professor Tolkien was fond of spells, the power of words and sounds beyond mere communication of their literal meaning. With this in mind, a reading of Lord of the Rings reveals a great many spells within prose and songs. Remember that a song is spell, not just entertainment. It establishes a reality, a mood, a memory, an intent. You cannot pass, which is what it says in the book, is an overt example of a spell. Gandalf isn't merely communicating to the Balrog. He is bringing a reality into being with his voice, a reality rooted not only in the core of his body and breath, 
but in his intent and his energy and articulation of a Louboutin's light itself, a Louboutin being the creator in that universe. When thought or intent, speech or energy, and action are in alignment, we know that as integrity. Hence, Gandalf is the perfect character to deliver that line, and the brilliant actor Sir Ian McKellen embodies that integrity so vividly in the film, he subjects us, the audience, to his spell. Now, I am not a scholar, but that sounds grounded in really good theology. Um, Tolkien was a Catholic, and he borrowed heavily from his Christian worldview. Um, he actually described his books as a fundamentally religious and Catholic work, despite religion and God never being really mentioned. So there's a power in the words that we speak, and if they have integrity in our being, they carry power. For our purpose, it's at least a good metaphor for John's retelling of creation and Jesus as the word of God that proceeded out of the Father's mouth. So John 1.3, through him all things were made, that without him nothing was made that has been made. The word proceeded from God with perfect alignment of thought, speech, and action to create a world that embodies his goodness, his intimacy, his character. Their intimacy, their eternal goodness, their relational nature and character was woven into the fabric of everything. We can often think of creation as this one-time event, something that happened long ago in the past, created past tense. But the Jewish idea of creation is much more than that. It was long ago and past, and it is also ongoing in a sustained way. Creation is not just something appears out of nothing. It is God orders something to give it purpose. He gives it beauty, he gives it purpose, he gives it meaning. God is not distant, but very present in all things, giving them purpose. He's still holding everything together, and we're going to return to that. Let's just keep going with John 1 as he uses more Genesis imagery, and he starts bringing in these motifs of light and life and darkness. John 1, 4 to 11. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to that light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So verses 10 and 11, actually, I feel like is where we're going to go with this. The world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, but they did not receive him. And so this is where we talk about darkness or when we actually don't see the light. Surprisingly easy, I feel, to not see light, to lack purpose and to live in darkness. We can, um, our eyes can be blind to it, our ears can be deaf to it, or our hearts can be numb to it. 
even those who are of us who are like, yes, we call Jesus our Lord. We are living with the light of God inside us. Darkness also doesn't seem to be that far off. I mean, who of us still needs the light and life of Jesus each day? I surely do. I think the, the sadness is if we possess a light but don't live in it, if we have a light but don't know where the light switch is. So what do I mean? Have you uh, ever been looking for the thing that you're actually holding in your hand? This happened to me this week. Uh, my friend asked me where my phone was, and I patted down all my pockets with my phone in my hand <laughs> and panicked because I didn't think I had it. <laughs> Looked over, felt like an idiot. Um, sometimes we cannot see what we have right in front of us. Why is it that the presence of God can be here in this room? One of us can feel like our heart is burning within us, the other can feel absolutely nothing. That's what darkness can feel like. It's a numbness to God and a numbness to what is around you. In the biblical imagination, darkness is chaos. It's unordered chaos. It lacks purpose. It has no meaning. It's the distractions that move us away from the present moment. It's unconscious living. It's not nothing. It's a loss of meaning. We can get stuck in the past and find that we are reliving wounds from long, long ago. Just it's caught up in our present. It's constantly informing the way we behave and we think. Or we can get caught up with the anxiety of what's to come. Uh, Christmas is always a good reminder of how we can be stressed about what's to come. It steals us away from the present moment. We feel the worry that we're not enough. We feel like we need to get to the destination to feel good. Whatever it is, it means we get dissatisfied and distracted from the here and now. And is this. We can't really know God's present presence here and now if we are somewhere else completely. If we're living in the past, living in the future, not here to the present presence. And that is a form of darkness. Jesus says, whoever walks in darkness, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. So when you walk in the dark, you're lost. You know it's possible to have Jesus and feel depressed? Yeah, it's very, very true. You've got the light of the world living inside you, but you can't escape that darkness within. It's real, so it's where I've been. Um, I've had depression, and that darkness attacked me. It's different for everyone, but it attacked me at the very core of my relationship with God. My, he, was my, he was my safety, and he was my identity. Um, truth is, without God, I felt really lost. I didn't know up from down or left from right because it just took away the, the ground from underneath me. And I don't think I'm unique in that particularly. I, I think there's going to be plenty of people who won't step in foot, a, a foot inside this church because they are angry with God. They're hurt by God. They just feel uncomfortable here. They've been hurt by his people. They don't trust it. And they probably, if, you know, if, if we ask them to give an honest answer, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they said, yeah, I feel a little lost. Don't feel like I could be there. I remember joining this church and actually feeling I didn't want to be here at all. Um, just the stuff I was going through. Uh, every time someone shared like a story of how good God was, his promises he's made to them, like a story of breakthrough, uh, like a dream come true for them, of like God just entering their whole reality, I, uh, good for you, man. <laughs> That's great. I feel really uncomfortable. I'd show up on a Sunday, we'd sing these really like positive songs about God's promises, and oh, I'd feel physically uncomfortable just because of the disappointment I carried towards God. Sometimes I actually, I mean, most times I think I stuck it out, but sometimes I'd just be like, I'm leaving early. I just, you know, was trying to not be seen so I could actually sneak out and no one would notice. I knew I was living in darkness and it felt like chaos. But for me, the victory really was just showing up. Showing up has always mattered. So I actually remember my mum, when she was, um, she had cancer, um, she fought a very long battle with it, and she had lost her hair, and she was on chemo, and she would still come to church. She would be at the back of the church, she'd be under a blanket with pillows propping up her back, and she'd be there. Um, and it wasn't from a religious duty. It's because she wanted to go to a place where the light was. So I think it, at this point, I would like to say, if that is you today, well done for showing up. God is with you. I feel like I've been there too. And I just want to say, read the story of Jesus, because if you read his word, he's going to be like that. He's going out of his way to find people like that. And he goes to those downtrodden people. He goes to the lonely. So for me, even in that middle of that, I felt God never left me. I remember when, um, okay. You remember when we spoke about the sustaining power of God, um, the word in creation? There was this deep down feeling of, I still felt like my life was held together by him. Um, even if I couldn't hear his voice, even if I didn't know his purpose, my life was still his. Even if I had no hope or faith or life in myself to offer him, I still felt convicted. I was bound to the one who had hope, faith, and life. So in my darkness, my work really was just to stay in that place of belonging, of God sustaining me, and then just to try and go where, to where the light was. That's, that's all that I needed to do, was just try and show up as often as I could. So, um, yeah, if you're feeling lost, you don't have hope, darkness all around, angry at God, whatever it is, I just want to say God is still holding you. For those who belong to Jesus, John is telling you, the darkness has not overcome you, and it cannot. So, this is where we, part three, how does the light break in? So, one of the things I discovered this year, very interesting American neuroscientist talked about how light affects us. 
Um, and if you can get light in the morning in the first 15 minutes, it calibrates your entire circadian rhythms, and it is the best way to actually stay wakeful throughout the day, and then when you go to bed, you fall asleep and stay asleep through the night. And it's just about getting light in your eyes in the morning. On a sunny day, that takes about five, five minutes. On a cloudy day, it's about 15 to 20 minutes. It's just a bit longer on cloudy days, but it's about getting light into your eyes, and it, can, it comes through the clouds too. Studies say nothing else compares to it, not even coffee. I don't know, man. Uh, so anyway, I think this is actually a pretty good analogy for what we talk when we talk about God's light. And I have three suggestions of how to let the light into our eyes so the darkness can begin to break. So there are many more, but here are my three. So firstly, this is what my brother did. He was going through, when he was younger, a season of depression. He wasn't sure he even believed in God. And so what he decided to do... He was just tired and just done with religion, just like angry, just like this, I don't believe it. You know what I'm gonna do if this is real? I'm gonna read the Bible every single day. And so he did that, he was very, very committed to it. He read a few chapters of the Bible every single morning and is like testing it, God, you better be real. So he did that for a while and nothing changed. He was still completely just in that place of depression. Well, not at first anyway. Nothing changed at first. But one day, he was reading the Bible, and he just noticed, suddenly realized, somewhere along the way, his depression had completely left him. And he just, he had that conviction in his heart and courage of like, no, God is real. And it, he didn't, he couldn't pinpoint the moment when it happened. So God delivered him out of that darkness, and God was real. He read his Bible every day until the light broke in. For him, every day was a cloudy day. And he knew it could take a bit longer when things are cloudy, but he stuck with it. And then he felt awake again. Here's the second thing. Um, what, here's what I do. Um, I, one of my friends, Mackenzie, sent this really encouraging word to me. She said she saw a picture of me having, saw a picture of me having coffee with Jesus in the morning and just having joy um, in the morning. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, actually I really do need some joy. It's been a tough year. Um, so I, I, I took that invitation seriously and I, I think every day I just, I get up, I make my coffee, I sit down and I journal and I write and I, that's kind of how I pray. I, I kind of try and listen a little bit. I try and write what I'm feeling. Um, I just try and talk to God and I just write it down while I'm having coffee. And that's just how I am enjoying letting the light in my eyes every day. Sometimes, obviously, on cloudy days, it takes a bit longer. All right, third one and final one. Um, we need to return home. And so I'll tell you what I mean by this. John tells us that God has made his home among us. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The hope of Christmas is that God has made his home here with us. God is here and through his spirit, God's home is not just among us. For those who invite Jesus into their hearts, it is within us. So Jesus came so he could make us his home. I have been recently reading a Dutch Catholic priest called Henry Nouwen. 
and he says, home is what the incarnation is all about. We realize that right here where we are, right here in this body, with this face, with these hands, with this heart, we are the place where God can dwell. So the question is, where are you going? Return to yourself the place where God wants to dwell. Now one goes on to say, God is always the God of now, of here. If anything is happening that is spiritually valid, it's happening here and now, at this moment, as you sit here, as you pray. That is the beauty of the spiritual life. You can be where you are. You don't have to be anywhere else. You can be fully present to the moment and trust that even in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, something of God is at work in you and wants to reveal itself to you. So be here, be quiet, listen. We can let the light in our eyes by becoming present in this moment. You don't need to fix what's going on. You don't need to clean yourself up. You just need to be present and let God come and be with you. So, um, should we have the band come back up? So, you can read your Bible, you can have coffee with Jesus, or you can just try and learn to be still and let be, God be present in your, in your life, make space for him. Those are my three suggestions, but I just encourage you, let the light in your eyes each day. That's, that's the whole goal. Be consistent, be faithful. I, you know, if you miss a day, that's fine. Try not to miss two. <laughs> yeah. It's the daily practice of experiencing light with God. It really is. So, I think at this point, maybe you are in a place where you feel like you are falling and falling and falling further into darkness. And maybe that, that's the story you think you know. But I do want to say Jesus has another story. There's a different perspective. Jesus has a better story for you. Maybe you feel like you're constantly distracted and living away from yourself. Jesus is inviting you to return home. Maybe you are depressed. Well, I think the witness of John is telling you that the darkness cannot overcome you. God is holding and sustaining your life. Maybe you are living in that chaos. My encouragement to you is to go to a place where the light is and to keep showing up because there is a light breaking forth for you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for being the God of light that illuminates our lives. Thank you for being the sustaining word that binds us and holds us together. Father, we just step forth and ask you to shine on us, to illuminate our whole lives with your light, to be here with us.
We ask for your grace. Help us know your love today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.